Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and I have to ask, are you there? Are you listening? Are you doing okay? Are you watching Mimiverse movies every single chance you can? I hope so, because without you, the Mimiverse ceases to exist. And that's sad but true. I would like to start off by apologizing for being a little late this month. This month being August 2020. I didn't intend on being late, but I recorded a different podcast where I just kind of was in a bad mood and I was really just complaining about Amazon because Amazon sucks. And I'm just going to say that. But I really kind of went into a lot of detail about why they suck. You know, it was more of a therapy session for myself. And as I was listening, I'm like, you know, I don't really need to release this to the public because this is just me complaining. This is just me being whiny. You don't need that. Not during these trying times. You don't need more negativity. Everywhere you look is negativity. We're all stuck in this forever quarantine. Well, it's not forever, but it feels like it some days. And so I thought the Mimiverse is not about negativity. It never has been, and it shouldn't be. I'm not the most positive person. I don't think we should all be Pollyanna-ish about all this. I mean, things are not great right now, and schools are opening, which I think is a terrible idea. But we shouldn't be dwelling on all the negative. I don't think you watch the films of the Mimiverse because you want to feel the existential dread that is upon us every moment of every day. I'm guessing. You're more into the Mimiverse because it's a nice escape where, yes, there are killer monsters and giant spiders, but it's a universe you might imagine living in because it's full of good people with good intentions who treat each other with respect, unless you're the general, but that's just kind of your shtick. You know what I mean? I honestly believe that the entertainment that steps above, say, just seeing a movie and being like, I like that movie. I think the entertainment universes that people get really attached to, like Star Trek or Star Wars, to a certain extent, they appeal to people because you kind of want to live there. You like visiting this world because you imagine what it would be like to be a citizen of that world. And I think the Mimiverse is no different. And having talked to a lot of people and continuing to get emails from people, messages from people during this COVID-19 thing, I get very much the impression, and some have blatantly told me so, that the Mimiverse is a thing that keeps them calm and happy, and it's a nice escape. And, and I'm not saying that I'm the only thing in these people's lives that does that, but if I can do that for people, I should be trying to continue to do that. I think that's important. I feel like I'm accomplishing more by trying to remain at least sort of positive. So yeah, it was just me being grumpy. And you've heard me be grumpy before, but this was this was me in rare form. But it was very therapeutic to just say it and record it and then get rid of it. It's like when you write that nasty email because you're going to complain about something and then you're like, I'm not going to send this. And then you delete it because it felt good to get it out. And the gist of it comes down to, sadly, Amazon has dropped another Mimiverse title. This time, Cave Women on Mars. So that's title number three. So that joins It Came From Another World and Destination Outer Space as a movie that is no longer available anywhere to stream on Amazon. Which is stupid. Because we've been doing boffo numbers on streaming and yet they just decided to get rid of it. For whatever reason, I don't always understand exactly why 
I mean, it's a very low-budget, independent film that's only available in standard definition. And it's clear Amazon is not interested in being known as the indie film paradise, unless that quote-unquote indie film stars someone who maybe once appeared in a major role in something like Lord of the Rings, which I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but that was just what came to mind. You know, their idea of indie films are movies that instead of costing $200 million, they cost 80 as opposed to $8,000. They don't want their bandwidth crowded with a bunch of cheesy monster movies made in Nowheresville, Minnesota, which fine, I guess. What can you do? This is one of the things that I really was kind of going off on, is in the month of June, all of my films, which included Cave Women on Mars, but at the time was 12 feature films that also included The Monster Phantom like the musical. With all those movies, over the course of June, just the numbers for quote-unquote included with Prime. So this doesn't include people who rented it or people who bought it and owned it, which I don't know what happens with that. If you bought Cave Women on Mars on Amazon and then they dropped it, do you still own it? I don't know. Just the numbers for people who watch it that have a prime account that can watch anything that's included with prime and there's no commercials for every hour i get a penny or whatever it is or two depending on customer engagement whatever that is with all those 12 movies in the month of june which is always 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 slow because it's summer here where you can actually watch the movies all of my movies pulled in 640,000 streaming minutes 640,000. That's a lot. The average length of all my movies works out to about 82 minutes. I did the math. And that means that, and actually I guess that would be shorter because it came from the world and Destination Outer Space are included in that 82 minute number, but they're not included in this example because those two are not on Amazon. So... I think it's actually probably more like 79 minutes because Destination Outer Space and Game of the World are two of the longest ones. So anyway, if you take that 82-minute number, not worrying about the other math that comes with Destination and Game of the World, if you do that 82-minute number and you do the math on it, that works out to a Mimiverse movie, on average, being played 7,500 times in one month. 7,500 times. And that could be even more if you take into account that the most popular movie is The Giant Spider, which is only 71 minutes long. So if you do it at 71 minutes, and if it was just The Giant Spider, which it's not, but most of them are actually closer to that 70 minutes, 70, 75, it's more than 7,500 times. And that's assuming they watch it all the way through, right? So if you chop off the credits, that takes off another five minutes. So again, there's more and more. So I find it insane that given all those streaming numbers, they would drop my movies at all. The worst part of it though, and this is where I was really kind of going a little nuts, admittedly, is that for all those minutes, 640,000 minutes in two months, they will pay me for that. And my cut of that is $196. That's it. So, it sucks. Amazon sucks. They drop my movies without telling me why. And, 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 here's another thing that's fun. If I attempt to re-upload those movies and resubmit them, they will cancel my account. 
that's it. They'll cancel my account. It's over. They'll rescind my ability to show my movies at all on their service. And if I were to repackage them, which I'm going to talk about that in a second, but if I were to repackage them into like an episodic format, say, they'll do the same thing because I'm just trying to find an end around for resubmitting movies that they've already said don't meet their content standards. So that's fantastic. <sighs> so yeah, Amazon sucks. And that's the saddest news I guess I have to report right now. Obviously, there's a lot more sad news in the world. But in the world of the Mimiverse right now, the saddest thing is if you like to cave women on Mars, you're going to have to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray or watch it on Roku. Roku's another issue. I have a Roku channel. It's called Drive-In Monsters. If you'd like and you have a Roku device, I have a channel called the Drive-In Monsters channel that has all my movies on it, which is great because you can watch them all there. The problem is, is I can't monetize it yet. I still haven't reached the right milestones or whatever. The, there's, there's all these rules about what you can do to monetize your channel. And I get it because from a, an advertiser standpoint, if I'm going to be advertising somewhere and I'm going to be spending money on advertising, right, to get my product in front of people's eyeballs so that they'll maybe buy it and I'm spending money to do that. I want to make sure that my advertisements are actually going in front of more than like three people, right? Because that's not really worth the money invested. You want a certain number of people. So I get it from a business standpoint. I just need to reach that stupid threshold that keeps being moved. I, I don't even understand it. At one point, someone said, get a thousand installs. I've got several, several thousand installs, but apparently that's not enough. And I average about a hundred hours a day being viewed. So it's like 3000 hours a month, right? So that seems like it should be sufficient to get people interested in advertising on my channel, don't you think? But apparently not. I just did the math of the minutes on Amazon and, and for that month, the 640, it was like 10,500-ish hours on Amazon. So, I mean, it's, it's a full third, roughly, on Roku. And even then, I still can't monetize it. So I don't know what to do, you know? I'm still selling physical media, and I really wish everyone would buy physical media because, I mean, can you imagine if those 7,500 views of these movies equated to 7,500 DVDs sold? I have that coming in, and believe you me, I would be putting out a movie a month. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but the Mimiverse would be expanding greatly. Even half that, I mean, half of 7,500 is, is what, 3,750? I mean, that's unrealistic, let's be honest. But uh, still, even half of that would be nice. So that's, that's the dilemma, you know? Amazon and streaming is convenient, and I totally understand that because I stream a lot of stuff. And I really only buy on physical media the stuff that I really want to make sure I own because once I own it, the only way you're getting it back is if you break into my house and steal it. Whereas with streaming, you could absolutely love the Drive-In Monsters Mimiverse Roku channel. Doesn't mean I can't just take away the Monster Phantom Lake tomorrow. I mean, I could if I wanted to. A friend of mine said something really entertaining. I had said that I was a control freak, and they said, no, you're not a control freak, you're a control enthusiast, which I like that. So if I wanted, as a control enthusiast, with complete control over my Roku channel. If I just decided, you know what, I don't think you deserve to see the giant spider anymore. I could just take it away and you can't stop me. 
And that's kind of cool, but also kind of stupid because I want people to see everything I've made. Again, I'm in this, this weird spot. I, I sell my movies on, on Vimeo. You can buy them digitally. You can download them. You can rent them. But Vimeo doesn't exactly have the deepest household penetration in the world like something like Amazon Prime does. A lot of people have Roku devices, but again, I can't monetize anything yet. So I basically am stuck giving stuff away. And, and because of that, I then have to make it up somewhere else. And usually I do by doing events, going out, selling tickets to screenings at the Alamo Draft House or whatnot. And then selling merchandise. Well, I can't do that during a global pandemic, particularly when the places I go most often are some of the worst places for the pandemic right now. And so I don't have any live events, which cuts into my bottom line there. And so I'm sort of stuck just trying to get by on selling stuff online and, and making movies that I can make. That's the other thing. I can't make a lot of movies because I'm, I'm limited I could probably work with friends of mine who I trust have been smart about the pandemic. However, I don't know that I could live with the guilt of killing someone who I worked with because I wanted to make a movie. You know, I don't want to lose anyone that I care about. I don't want to lose anyone. And so obviously I'm sort of up against the wall. And that's why I decided to make the Phantom Like Kids and the Unseen Invasion. And if you haven't had a chance yet to read the... August 2020 Mimiverse Monthly newsletter, there is a clip in there that is a very good indicator of what the movie's like. It's a lot of slapstick nonsense in the best way possible, and I absolutely love it, and I think it's going to be great. I may just end up having to finish the Phantom Lake Kids trilogy here before this is all over, just because that'll be what I can actually do. But Unseen Invasion is really funny, and it's really stupid, but stupid in the way that is hilarious. And the kids are so freaking goofy. You haven't seen The Beast Walks Among Us yet, obviously. I still think it's one of the best movies I've ever made. And I keep saying that, which I'm sure just rubs it in for those of you who are excited to see it. But the characters in that are not as defined as they are in The Unseen Invasion. And you're going to end up seeing them out of order because I'm going to release The Unseen Invasion first. But I think that's probably good in the long run because you'll get a much better idea of who these characters are and a deeper understanding of how each is unique and how each does and says things that are uniquely them. And then when we get to finally see The Beast Walks Among Us, I think you'll have a deeper appreciation for them. It's almost like this ends up almost feeling like a prequel. And I think that works quite well. And I did that on purpose when I wrote the script. I, I wanted to do something that really highlighted these characters, but then also each of my kids' strengths as actors and the, the funny stuff they're able to do and, and just play up the best parts of their characters and just make something that's ultimately lighthearted as hell. Timely, because it actually does kind of deal with what's going on a little from a Mimiverse perspective and has a slightly more hopeful <laughs> outlook. So maybe... Going back to that real quick, now that I said the word hopeful, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not the positivity all the time, because Lord knows Wereskido Nazi Hunter doesn't come off as particularly positive. But there's a hopefulness to everything I do. Hope for the future, hope for humanity, 
hope that we may all overcome our monsters, both real and imagined. As a guy who has been sober for a long time, overcoming one's demons and winning against the monsters in your life is an important thing. It's a theme that I feel is important, at least to me. And I think a lot of what I do and write is about that hopefulness of like being the good guy, being a good person, overcoming the horrible things coming at you and saving the day. There's a lot of that in this movie. It's not the deepest thing in the world. It is really stupid and funny as hell. Watch that clip. It's in the Mimiverse Monthly newsletter. It doesn't give away a lot of spoilers. It really sets up the main plot and at the same time shows off how just ridiculous it is and really gets you to know some of these characters very quickly, some of which you haven't seen since Danny Johnson Saves the World when they were like little, little, little kids and had, I don't want to say no personality, but no real personality that came through other than their little kids. Now that they're no longer little kids, they're still kids, but they're no longer little kids, uh, more of their actual personalities shine through. And I wrote each character to be somewhat an extension of the actor that plays them so that it wasn't a huge stretch they're kind of playing themselves, but very hyper-realized versions of themselves. Also in this insane situation, which I guess the real world is its own special insane situation. So what am I saying? What is all this about? Times are tough for all of us. I, I will admit we're having to take shortcuts and shuffle stuff around to keep the lights on. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you out there who has bought puzzles and DVDs and contributed to the films and done everything you can to keep us going because without you, this would not be possible. And I'm eternally grateful for all of it. And of course, this is my chance now that I've thanked you profusely and kissed your butt to say that you can still contribute to the Phantom Lake Kids in the Unseen Invasion. And I very much recommend that you do. We still need money coming in. There's still a lot of things in the works. I said before I was going to talk about repackaging things. I'll talk about that in a second. But we have a lot of things in the works. And they take money to get going and to keep going. And I don't want to stop. I don't think you want me to stop. I know I get emails and messages from people every couple days saying as much. Don't give up. Don't stop. And the occasional troll who just likes to talk crap. But, I mean, it's their life to waste if they think their time is best spent bothering a no-budget, underground artists like myself. That's how you want to spend your energy and time, giving me shit. Well, thanks, I guess. I don't know why I'm taking up space in your head. I feel like there's more important things to, to be angry about than someone making cheesy monster movies with cardboard and hope. <laughs> but you do you. You do whatever you got to do. Ultimately, I kind of feel like you're worthy of being laughed at. And that's, that's the funny thing is I have for a long time, bad reviews got to me. And, and then I realized that you can't fight with people's expectations. You can't fight with people's tastes. I mean, some people like some horrible stuff that I don't like, but they like it and they have every right to like it. And I have every right not to same thing with my stuff. There's some people out there who absolutely love what I do. And some people were like, this is crap. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, now I'm just kind of laughing at how creative people can be sometimes. Also, what is it with people who absolutely hate my stuff and their inability to spell? What, what is that? I've just gotten to the point now where it's like, if you're going to give me crap, I'm just going to give you some back. Like, uh, 
recently, this is, I was just having fun with this. Recently, someone put on, there was a, a group on Facebook that talked about cheesy old movies, and someone posted a picture of the DVD cover of the Giant Spider Danny Johnson double feature that I have. And they said, I keep seeing this guy's stuff. Is it any good? And I'd say 90% of the people who answered on there were like, yeah, I love his stuff. Do it. Check him out. You'll like it. And there's one guy who is just like, the giant spider sucks. That was his whole thing. And so I just put on there as a, as a response, dot, 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 the blood of its victims. My original thought, I'm going to say, so true, the giant spider does in fact suck. It's because I wrote the script about your mom and I want it to be accurate. See, that's a little childish. I thought it, and I almost put it, then I was like, nah, you know, no. And then another guy just put unwatchable, and this is what I was talking about. You put unwatchable, un, space, watchable. Okay. So, just to be a dork, I said, yes, as in the French for one watchable, as in this is one watchable movie. Merci, monsieur. I figure that's kind of the attitude I'm just going to have. You can be a troll if you want to be a jerk. I'm just going to laugh at you because you're ridiculous. I mean, if you just feel the need to troll other people just because you get a kick out of it, I think that says a lot about um, something that might be wrong with your personality. Or perhaps you should seek counseling about what's really bothering you. And that is that no one likes you. <laughs> Sorry. See, I don't know. I'm just laughing at these people. Screw them. Like I said... I wrote that story about that dude's mom because she sucked too. Anyway, so if you get a chance, please contribute to The Unseen Invasion and know that I am indeed working on the third in the Phantom Lake Kids trilogy because what else am I going to do? I think of it as a contingency plan. Maybe there'll be a miracle cure for COVID-19 in two months and then we'll all go back to normal and that'll be awesome, but it ain't going to happen. Okay, let's be honest. It's going to be a vaccine. It's going to be time. And eventually we'll get out of this. We will get out of this. I keep trying to say this to everybody around me who are freaking out. We'll make it through this. We really will. We'll get there. Just relax. Everything's going to be okay. It really is. It's going to be okay. We will get there eventually. You just have to wait. Be patient. And while you're being patient, watch and support micro-budgeted monster movies and monster movie makers. It'll make you feel good. And I'll just keep throwing out movies until, well, until I can't anymore. That's the goal. That's the secret, right? That's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's where all of my energy is focused. That and making video games, which is now my, my side project here, uh, making the Mimiverse video game that is currently called Butch vs. Evil, based on one of the characters of the Phantom of Kids. I'm not ready to talk too much about that, but it's definitely coming along. Just know that. Go to stuphoria.com contribute and maybe even send me ideas for movies i can make just me and my kids <laughs> i mean maybe you got a better idea than i do who knows maybe i just need to make another puppet movie that's all puppets eh? Eh? the other thing I'm, I'm i'm going to talk about real quick before i turn it over to rich chamberlain for another kansas city crypt was the thing i alluded to earlier about the repackaging steve sullivan you know steve sullivan he uh, wrote the canoe cops versus the mummy which is a book that you should totally buy from Amazon. 
unfortunately, from Amazon. It's printed on demand, so you have to kind of buy it there. Or get it on Kindle, whatever. The point is, you should also support Steve Sullivan. He is also an independent creator, a writer. He's very talented, and he's got a lot of great ideas, and he wrote this book called The Canoe Cops vs. The Mummy. It's sort of a mashup of the universal monsters with the Mimiverse. It's really good. It's really entertaining. Uh, Steve and I started talking about this idea when they started pulling movies off Amazon about repackaging them as a episodic horror host show. And we came up with our own idea for a horror host that would be played by Rachel Grubb called Madame Magda and her Phantom Sideshow. She's sort of like a fortune teller. The idea was originally to do this as a way to repackage like Destination Outer Space and put it back on Amazon, but they have since made it very clear that if you do that, they'll take away your license to put, I don't know what the word is, your ability to even sell anything on Amazon, which seems like a, an extreme example. But then again, I'm sure I'm not the first person to think of this, and I'm sure a lot of people have tried. And that's just a headache they don't want to deal with. So we came up with this idea for the Phantom Side Show, and Steve was the head writer on that, and he's taken the lead and written an episode and now we're going to try and figure out a way to film an episode for destination outer space and actually it works out to like three or four episodes where we break the movie down and we add openings and closings as if it were a horror host show from back in the day so we're working on that so at the end of the show we have a little teaser of the madame magda show that rachel recorded that is specifically for the mimiverse monthly audio cast Madame Magda predicts. So a little Criswell. She's going to look into the future and tell us what she sees. Stay tuned for that. For now, though, I'm going to hand it over to Rich Chamberlain for another edition of the Kansas City Crypt. And after that, I'll be back to say a few more things. Talk to you in a bit. Take it away, Mr. Chamberlain. Hello, everyone. This is Richard, the Monster Movie Kid. And it's time for another edition of the Kansas City Crypt. Over at the Classic Horrors Club podcast, my podcasting partner in crime, Jeff Owens, and I, we've been spending the summer at the drive-in. We've actually been taking a look at double and triple features that were real drive-in attractions at real drive-in theaters. We've gone back to the 1960s a couple of times now. We've journeyed to Florida. We've journeyed to Wisconsin, and we've seen a lot of great flicks in the month of August we're heading back to 1971, the Fiesta Drive-In Theater in El Paso, Texas, for a couple of great kaiju flicks. It got me to thinking, drive-in double features. be kind of a fun theme to do here over at the Mimiverse Audiocast. So, this kind of ties in with the Cinema Gogo event. Now, you've heard me talk about this in the past. Cinema Gogo was a local event, double feature, Happens typically four or five times a year. Well, not in 2020 at least, but it's a great event. And all of the movies they play are, yes, the cheesy movies we all love and some that we uh, struggle through. But they're double features that would have played at a drive-in just as easily as they would have at a, at a local theater. They're not typically A-list entertainment. There's always the exception, but usually... The uh, the wackier, the uh, the cheesier, well, the better. Well, the Cinema Gogo events have been postponed now a couple of times, and likely the August event's not going to happen either. That's what 2020, unfortunately, has turned into. But Daryl Brogdon over at the Retro Cocktail Hour, who hosts the Cinema Gogo events, he's gone virtual. 
He's done several virtual events, and the most recent one just happened, well, as I'm recording this, just last week. Unfortunately, I missed the start. We were about an hour into the first movie, which when you're dealing with a movie that's only about 63 minutes long, yeah, not worth joining in that late. So my wife, Carla, and I decided to watch the movies on our own. As it turned out, I had one of the two films, and the other was easily available on YouTube. Now, I knew we were going in for some uh, questionable, uh, <laughs> questionable flicks. When, of the two movies, the best rating is a 2.7 on IMDb, well, that is certainly telling you something. Well, the first of the two flicks we saw was She Gods of Shark Reef from 1958 from the great Roger Corman. Now look, Roger Corman has done some really fun films, but he's also done some that are a little on the rough side. And this one was a little rough. Chances are most of you have heard of it, maybe even some of you have seen it, but I'm willing to bet more of you have not. And I'm not sure I can recommend it. Essentially, it's about two brothers, one who has committed a crime, uh, murder in fact, and uh, the other who, well, he's trying to help his brother out. They end up getting shipwrecked on an island that is actually full of women. And they're actually, uh, well, they're, they're basically acquiring pearls for a company that comes periodically and picks them up. It is kind of a rather odd setup. The girls, it's almost like a sorority type thing. There's an older woman who is clearly in charge of the, the younger women. There's no men on the island. And here these two guys come along. Well, basically, you have good guy, bad guy situation. Uh, one of the guys, the, the good guy of the bunch, he falls in love with one of the, the maidens. And you've also got this various uh, shark god that's living right in the reef. And um, it's, it's a, you know, a great tiki statue that's underwater. And <laughs> there's killer sharks and a crazy, crazy setup. And I kind of dug this one, even though it wasn't a great flick. It was rough around the edges. The audio is kind of hard to understand sometimes because they, well, you have a lot of background sounds. They basically probably had one microphone, and so you're hearing the ocean in the background. You're hearing uh, the sounds all around, and it tends to drown out the, the actors or actresses that you're seeing talk in front of you. You don't get that in an A-list film. It was kind of charming in its own way. If you look at the trailer, if you, if you kind of think about the title, you're thinking, oh, this is, this is a good horror flick. This sounds exciting. Well, it's not that good. It is only, a, you know, what, 63 minutes long. It is in color, I'll give it that, and the color is actually not bad for a public domain flick. But the movie kind of drags on. It's not a great movie, but yet... I did kind of enjoy it. It actually had the makings of a good story. You just had to kind of make your way through some less than stellar acting. And I tell you, most of the cast are people you probably never heard of. The two brothers are played by Bill Cord and Don Durant. When you look at Bill Cord's filmography, well, he has 19 credits to his name, most of which were TV uh, TV films There was uh, or TV episodes. There was... Uh, he did appear in The Absent Minor Professor as the Admiral's assistant, uncredited. Yeah, 
Not a stellar career. Don Durant, kind of the same thing, although he's got a few more acting credits to his name, a total of 28 credits, but again, lots of TV work. He does appear in an episode of The Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, that's kind of cool, but he was a pretty prolific on TV. Again, not a big movie guy. Lisa Montel, who plays the uh, femme fatale of the flick, she actually acted in quite a few things, 47 film credits, and again, lots of television work. All in all, not A-list talent, not an A-list flick, but when compared to the second movie, this one is an Academy Award winner. Do I recommend She Gods of Shark Reef? Well, you know what? It's public domain. You can find it. It's free. Probably just as good a copy as my DVD that I had. So, uh, you know what? If you have absolutely nothing to do and you want to kind of go in for a slightly tiki mode, well, you wouldn't go wrong with this one. You don't get a lot of tiki music, and there's certainly other films that I would choose for a tiki night. But nonetheless, not a horrible flick, just kind of uneventful. Now, the other film, The Wild Women of Wongo, was also released in 1958. It's got a 2.3 rating on IMDb, and I think that's more than generous. This movie is a disaster. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. Some people may really enjoy it. It's that so bad it's good kind of quality. For me, it was just so bad it's bad. Essentially, you've got multiple tribes living on an island. You've got men, you've got women, you've got ape-like men, and they're all living on this tropical island of Wongo. And, well, basically there's raids from one tribe or another. It's actually, it's a comedy. It's, it's not even really an adventure flick. And from a comedic standpoint, it's really not that good. The cast, yeah, trust me, you're not going to know any of the cast because they really didn't even do much of anything else, if anything at all. There is an Adrian Barbeau, but that's not Adrian Barbeau. So I saw that and I thought, wow, she must have been really young. Nope, different actress altogether. The movie's directed by James L. Walcott and... He didn't do much either. When you look at his uh, list of credits, he directed a total of two movies in 1968, The Wild Women of Wongo and The Best of Laurel and Hardy. And from what I can tell, The Best of Laurel and Hardy apparently was one of those compilation films that came out in the 1960s. And it's not even one that's really well known. And it's not one that I would consider to be good then. There's several other more... uh, more well-known and more available compilation films, which are, you know, they are what they are. They're a fun way to to kill, you know, an hour and a half, but you're always best going back to the original source material. I have to admit, I've never seen or heard of the best of Laurel and Hardy, and based on The Wild Women of Wongo, I can only imagine what a, a mess that film is. Wild Women of Wongo. It's public domain, it's out there, but it is poorly shot. It's in color, but it is nowhere near to the level of She Gods of Shark Reef, which is not, again, a great film. And then there's a parrot that just randomly talks, and it's supposed to be comedic relief, I guess, but ugh, this movie's a mess. Again, one of the worst films I've ever seen. It made for an interesting double feature last week. Carla's looking at me the entire time, wondering, what did I get her into? 
and uh, I let her pick the movies the next night. If you're looking for a double feature of Tiki Films, you know what? You probably need to look somewhere else. She Gods of Shark Reef may be passable. Wild Women of Wongo, avoid at all costs. Until next time, this is Richard, the Monster Movie Kid, closing this edition of the Kansas City Crypt. Thank you, Mr. Chamberlain. Okay. Thank you so much for listening this month. Sadly, I'm still not in the mood to unleash the poetry beast, but I think we might be getting back to that. I feel the the rumblings deep in my lower intestines that are saying some poetry needs to come out. It might be dinner not sitting very well. They're basically the same thing, am I right? Anyway, please contribute to The Unseen Invasion. Help us keep the lights on. Buy some puzzles. We still have a couple left. They're exclusive collector's items that if you don't get one now, you're never going to get one. And we got other stuff coming too. Check out the Mimiverse monthly newsletter. We're offering these really cool Monster Phantom Lake statuette things that a super fan made that are really cool. I have one that I'm keeping because it's just that cool. They're paper mache, but you wouldn't know it. I mean, they're really nice. We only have two of them available for sale. So check out the newsletter and maybe pick one up. Otherwise, there are always DVDs and Blu-rays available. And I'm kind of in the process of trying to get some of the long out-of-print movies back available on DVD. Particularly the Monster Phantom Lake. I get a lot of people asking about that. They want it on DVD. I actually have a small shipment of the Monster Phantom Lake DVDs on their way to me now. That doesn't mean I'm going to get them before the end of the month, the way the post office seems to be lately. No shenanigans there, am I right? (laughs) Whenever I get those, they'll be for sale, so they'll be back in stock very soon. Otherwise, just go to sainteuphoria.com, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. I don't update the Instagram very often, but it is what it is. Before I go, and before I turn it over to Madame Magda, as I always say, be good. And if you can't do that, be good at it. Or, be good at being good. Imagine the world we live in if everybody did that. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you again next month. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We love you guys. Every one of you. And now, Madame Magda of the Phantom Sideshow. I, Madamaga, know all, see all. Welcome to my Phantom Sideshow, brought to you this week by Uncle John's Burger Dogs. Gaze with me into the crystal now and see the future. Ah, the future is revealed. In the future, People will wear phones on their heads. In the future, cars will get more than 30 miles per gallon. In the future, frogs will come in designer colors. I know it seems absurd, but it's true, darling. In the future, motion pictures will be made of only electricity. In the future, a terrible monster will threaten the citizens of Phantom Lake. In the future... People will pay for tap water. In the future, men and women will become lost in space and fight wars in the stars. And one of those cosmic voyages may be you, dear listener. The crystal doesn't lie. That is what the future holds. 
If you have a question for Mother Magda, be sure to write her care of that meme shite there on the ether waves. I'm getting a vision of a saint. Saint Euphoria. Period. Comp. Comp. Com. Saint Euphoria, then a dot, then C-O-M. I don't know what any of this means. It is a riddle. Regardless, perhaps in the future, your question will be answered.